Well, good morning on this bright, beautiful morning. Uh, it's, um, it's a little overwhelming. It's just, for those of you who've seen Lyle up here, I, I, can, I have some compassion because you're not used to this in the, the heat. I'm, I'm going to hopefully not uh, just sweat a lot. It's, it's hot up here. So it's true like a tent. It's a tent, right? So we're in the, almost in a tent meeting. So anyways, uh, my name is Dan Horton. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I was glad to be here this morning. I pray this morning that uh, we would understand and know God's goodness. Here at our church, we've been doing a series on our values and our mission as a church. And we've talked about the idea of truth, God's truth in this world, and how we want to convey his truth, namely in the gospel. And also we've talked about the beauty of God. The beauty of God that we see in art, the beauty of God that we see in his creation, and the beauty of God that we see in transformed lives by the gospel. And then today, we're going to speak about goodness and what that means for us as a church. And so if you would, stand with me as we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through verse 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace You have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one would boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, I just, um, as we enter the scriptures this morning, I pray that we would know that you are good. Even in difficulty and in challenges in this life, I pray that we would understand and perceive and experience the depth of your love, your grace, your mercy, and your goodness. And that we'd be so compelled by your goodness that we would share it with others. And so we ask that your spirit would come, teach us, Encourage us, inspire us to live our lives in such a way that the goodness of God is spread throughout the world. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. May be seated. And so when we talk about goodness, what are we talking about? I'm going to be really clear. I'm not saying that I'm going to define all the ways of what goodness means. It's kind of nebulous and subjective because goodness covers so many different topics. I can't cover them all today. If I tried to, we'd be here for hours. You'd be hungry, mad at me. It wouldn't be good. Okay? So what is good? When I first think of what is good, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind is food. Man, food is good. 
And if you live in our town, you know we live in a foodie town. The food in Louisville is wonderful. And we have food from all over the world. I have two places that I love. Vietnamese Kitchen. Their noodle bowls. Their meat. The taste, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Right? That's good. And my other place is Simply Thai. Simply Thai, they're... they're um, Oh, what it, sushi, their sushi is really good. Their pad thai, the flavor of the nuts, all they do there. I can't do that. I can't cook like that. But man, they do it right. It's really good. That's one thing I think of as good. What else is good? The derby. The derby, that's right. The derby is good. Who doesn't love a good party, right? The fanfare, the fun, the elegance. I love the outfits you see. I love wearing a hat. I love a fedora, but I don't get to wear it too often. But I love all the hats. It's good. Derby is good, especially if you've got the winning ticket. It's good, right? Yeah. And finally, it's basketball. Right? Basketball is good. For some of you, it's not, but I love basketball. I'm from Canton, Ohio. Woo, right? LeBron James last night. Boom, boom. Four seconds left. Being ultimate winner. I was like, yeah. That, my friends, is good. Okay? So we all have different ideas of, of goodness. And some of you don't like what I said was good. It's okay. So we need to come to a reality. What is good and how do we define it? When we define goodness, we must first begin with God. Because God, by very definition, is good. Jesus states in Mark that no one is good except God alone. And so what do I mean when we say that God is good? One author and a fellow pastor here, Pastor Greg Allison, theologian, he writes it this way. And I think this is a good working definition of God's goodness. He defines God's goodness as this. The benevolent kindness that characterizes God in his ways. God, who alone is good, he's good in himself. And all that he does is good. The varieties of the divine goodness are grace, mercy, and patience. So do you see what he is defining goodness as? God's benevolent kindness. And the ways that God gives to us are ways that are gracious, merciful, kind, compassionate towards us. That is our understanding of what is good. God is good. And he is benevolent. And he is a giver of good gifts. When we take a look at those verses in Ephesians 2, that is exactly how it describes God. Let's take a look back at Ephesians 2. Verse 4, but God being what? Rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It's by his grace that you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show what? 
the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by his grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is what? It is the gift of God. You see, Paul is describing God's goodness in that God is rich in mercy. He has a great love for us. He's gracious in saving us. He shows immeasurable riches of kindness. I just want to stop there because we don't think about this. That in the coming ages, someday, God will lavish you with his loving kindness. You'll grow. All throughout heaven will grow in understanding the depth and the riches, the heights of the love of God, of the goodness of God, of the mercy of God, and his benevolence to us all throughout heaven because he is a good God. God is a giver of good gifts. And so it's, it's important for us to understand that goodness is this. It's simply something that benefits, it aids, it helps you, rather than hurts or harms you. That's the way we need to understand God, that he is for your benefit and for your good and not for your harm. God is the one who is the ultimate and supreme giver of good gifts. James says it well when he says this in James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is a Father who gives good gifts. It's a foundational understanding for us to understand that God has revealed himself as a father. And what is it that God is our father? What does that mean? I think Jesus says it well in the Lord's Prayer. Many of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Some of you aren't even Christian. You're, you've heard it. You've, you've seen it somewhere. It simply goes, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, so on and so forth. We're familiar with that prayer. But what we're not familiar with is the phrase right before it. It's this. Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, I'm 43 years old. I've been a Christian for 31 years. I know the Lord's Prayer. I've never memorized. But you know what I don't know? And I don't understand? He said, I have a heavenly Father who hears me, who's for me in this life. He knows what I need before I ask him. I'm still growing in understanding of that. God's still working on me today to understand that my loving Father is with me and for me and that when I come to him and I talk with him, he knows. 
He knows my pains and my sorrows, and I can come to a good father. And that's what Jesus is saying, that he is a good father. In Luke, after the Lord's Prayer, it's the same section on the Lord's Prayer, but this time, instead of Jesus saying something before it, he says something after it. This is what he says. <clears throat> what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, God's going to give you what you need. And what he gives is not for your harm. It's the idea that of a father that wants to give his child anything that they need. That's who God is in his goodness. He's a God who is a father who provides for the exact needs at the exact moment you really need it. But here's the problem. We can say God's good. And we can say that God's a good father. But the world speaks against the idea of God's goodness. I want to make it real plain and clear. And I do not want to dismiss this. We live in a world that's marred and stained with sin, with pain, with sorrow, regret, with hurt. We've experienced it. And we have to come to an understanding that although we live in a world that treats us this way, yet God is still good. And the psalmist recognizes this truth. Life is not always a bed of roses. And the same psalm that we read in Psalm 27, Lyle preached it last week. And he talked about God's beauty. But in the midst of talking about God's beauty, the psalmist says this, Psalm 27, verse 10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Did you hear that? The psalmist is recognizing that even my own parents, the ones are to love me and to care for me, provide for me, they have abandoned me and they have forsaken me. That's what we've all experienced, right? Our lives many times experience what is broken. And it's sojourn. What do we value? We value the idea that it's okay for you to come on Sunday morning broken. Because not everything is great. And life isn't always great. We have sorrow. We have hurt. We have pain. We have grief. We have emotional scars that we can't get over. And that's what the psalmist is agreeing with. My own Family has betrayed me and they've hurt me, but not my Father who is in heaven. What does it say? But 
the Lord will take me in. The idea there of taking in is the idea that God's drawing us near, that he is embracing us. For many of you parents, you understand what I'm talking about. What do you do when your daughter or your son is fearful or they're hurting? What do you do? Our natural tendency is just come here and hold them. Just be here. Comfort them. And that's who God is. As a good father. Some of you in this room, that's what you need to hear. God's a good father. And the reality is that some of you don't have a good father. Some of you in your lives, you have been abused verbally, sexually, physically, mentally by your own parents. Some of you have children who have left you and they're gone. And you don't know what to do to bring them back. Some of you have family members that have betrayed you and brought you down the pit of your life. And I just want to say this. That's not a good father. A good father doesn't do that. No. He's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That's the message in all of the Bible. Do not fear, for I am with thee. That message is all through the Bible, that we have a God who's here, who draws near with us. Through thick and thin, God is there. He's for us. He's not against us. Your sins, he's forgiven. All the mistakes you've made, God is gracious in forgiving you. He doesn't cast you away. He draws you near. That is the message of a good father. And in life, when you experience sorrow and pain, the good father is there through those moments. We struggle to believe that. It's funny because the psalmist just said, my father and my, my mother have forsaken me. And in two verses later, this is what the psalmist says. I believe that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God is good. When my life isn't good, God is good because he's there with me when no one else is. Jesus acknowledges this, right? When he prays in the Lord's Prayer, the, the prayer we all know, right? Jesus prays this, deliver us from evil. Notice what Jesus doesn't pray. He doesn't pray, erase all the evil. He doesn't pray that. He prays, deliver us, God, from the evil. Lord, you are the good shepherd. Shepherd me in my moments of pain. When life brings something I can't deal with, God, you be there and deliver me through. 
Those are the promises of a good father that we need to hear in those moments. He is the God of the hills and also the God of the valleys in your life. And sometimes when God walks with you through this valley of death and then he gives you grace to get to the other side, it's amazing how strength comes. And sometimes we, we, we feel and sense the pit of darkness and when we walk through it, it's amazing how our eyes and our hearts and our minds can in some sense perceive the great goodness of God who brings us through. And when he does that, when he does that for you, you have the strength and grace to extend his goodness to someone else. And what do you do when you're in the, in the valley of life and God's not speaking? I know for me, from experience, God's used people. People who have come alongside me to show me his goodness, to be where, there with me when I, I don't have a word. He uses people. He uses his small, tender voice to speak to me, to my hearts, to the pains that I can't get over. And for me, he uses songs. Sometimes a song God uses to speak to me that he is with me and he's for me. In many ways, God uses so many different things to speak his goodness to our hearts. But he mainly uses people. He has created all of us to speak his goodness to others. That's what it means for us to be created in the image of God, that we are the goodness of God to others. Now, when we go through the valley of life, somehow we can speak his goodness to those who experience the same valleys as well. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are the goodness of God to others. It says in verse 10, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God made you and I to show his great goodness. It's in some sense that our lives, our lives are billboards of the goodness of God. That we show, we demonstrate his love, his kindness, his grace, and the compassion that we've received from him, we then are motivated to have strength to extend that to a world that so desperately needs it. Jesus says it well, right? In Matthew 5, verse 16, he says this. Let your light shine before others that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I mean, how do they know? How do they know God is good? How do you know God's good? I'll tell you how you know. From the family you have, the friends you have, the strangers that have come into your life and have shown you 
tenderness, have shown you grace, who have come alongside you when you needed it. You've known God's goodness through people. And that's what we want to see here in this place. We value the goodness of God expressed as we extend that to the people in this place and the people in the city of Louisville. And so what does it look like for the goodness of God to be here expressed at Sojourn? Well, when I think about that, I think about marriages. I think about the broken marriages. I've seen a lot of broken marriages at Sojourn. Broken from adultery, broken from bitterness and anger, pain, financial worry and stress, parental struggles. And you know what I've seen? I've seen the same couples who've experienced heartache and hurt. I've seen these same couples come alongside another couple experiencing the very same thing. It's amazing how God's grace and mercy is extended from one hurting couple to the next. And God's goodness comes in and brings healing to their hurt. How about for you? How can you extend the grace of God to another hurting couple in our midst? Or another hurting couple that's a neighbor or work? How can we extend the very love of God to them? By just being with them and sharing our lives with them. And then the way I have seen God's goodness is in our students' lives. We have wonderful student leaders here at Sojourn. Two of them for me personally have been Zach Cochran, our student director, and Gabe Kelly. And um, these two guys have been the goodness of God to my own son, Isaiah. You know why? Because Isaiah's talked to them about his struggles at school and how he struggled with sin. And these guys have come alongside him and just helped him out with those things. But not only that, not only they've been with Isaiah in his hurts, but also in his, his, his mountains in a sense. They've come to his birthday parties. They've come to his basketball games. They've just been there. They've shown my son the goodness of God. And in some sense, in such powerful ways that my son was baptized a, a month ago. And I think the reason why Isaiah trusts in Jesus is because he's seen the goodness of Jesus from these guys at our church. And for you, man, I encourage you to step into some kid's life. Step into our kids here at Sojourn. You are the beacon of goodness to them. How can we step in as a church to show the love of God? And then the, another way I think of this in terms of how we see goodness is in acts of mercy. How do we extend acts of mercy, not just in our church, 
but to the city and the world abroad. We're involved in two things here at Sojourn. And I just, before I say this, I just want to say that it's a work in progress. We don't have all this all together. That's why we're doing a, a, a health survey for our church and for this community, because we're trying to figure out what are we going to do to communicate the love and the goodness of God to the people in this room and this city. We're still growing in it, and we're still figuring it out. But two things we're involved in are ALC, A Loving Choice, and another uh, ministry called Refuge. A Loving Choice is a ministry dedicated to helping those families that choose not to abort, but rather have a child, or have that child up for adoption. And what we do here at Sojourn is we come alongside these families. Because some of them do not have the financial means to provide for a child. And some of them don't have the wherewithal to even parent. So we've come providing food for them, providing teaching and training for them, providing car seats and needs. You all, that's the love of God. That's the goodness of God. And showing his wonderful benevolence to people who desperately need it. And then secondly, we're involved with Refuge. This is a ministry that helps those families that come from far away to the United States of America because of some tragedy or some ridiculous thing they experienced in their own country. They had to come here to just get peace. And what we do we try to welcome them and love them and make this place a welcome home for them. And, and for me personally, I think of a family in our midst, Ali and Farnaz. Ali and Farnaz have been here for a couple of years. Uh, they're from Iran. They came here, no family. And... Uh, <laughs> if you weren't present, I wouldn't cry. Okay, I didn't do this the first service, okay? Um, but they have become our family. My, 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 my own father and my, my mother-in-law, um, they've invited them in. And every holiday, they've come to be a part of our family. And they've just become very near and dear to us. They're precious. And uh, when they leave the city, whatever that is, they'll always have a home here at the Hortons because we love them. They have become precious to us. I have seen the goodness of God in them. I've seen God provide for them to come here. I've seen God provide cars. I've seen God provide food. 
I've seen God provide for their needs in ways that only a miraculous, supernatural creator of the ends of the world could do. Because he's good. And I'm thankful that they could be a part of my family. Because I've seen and tasted God's goodness for their lives. How, how can you adopt someone? How can you show the love of God? By adopting that widow who has nowhere to go. And she just has needs. How can you adopt the kid who doesn't really have a dad or a mom and come alongside them? How can you adopt the hurting couple that just needs care. This is what it means to extend the very love and the goodness of God that the Father God who has adopted us into this wonderful family, we extend the very adoption of God to the world. God is good. And he is a good father. And the greatest way that he has shown his goodness to you, to me, is the gift of God in Jesus Christ. God's greatest goodness in this world is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, King of kings, and Lord of lords, who came who came here and sacrificed his life, died a horrible death that you deserved, but instead he died it. He was sacrificed. He was crucified so that you and I could receive the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and be reconciled to God the Father. Folks, this is the good news. This is the gospel and there's no greater good than that. The Father God came in Jesus Christ and has given you a gift that is forever going to shower you with goodness. Because Jesus did that for us in his goodness. We, the people of God, sojourn, we can extend that same goodness to a world that needs it. The mission and the value of our church is that truth of God, the beauty of God, and the goodness of God would be billboards in our life and that they, all of the world, would know this good God. Let's pray.